0: Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently.
1: Welcome to another interview with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who see things differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont. I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for well over 10 years now. Today, I'm joined by a guest, Mark Willis. Hey, Mark, how are you today? Doing fine, thanks. Fantastic. Thanks for being on our show today. Mark is, well, I'd say he's a kindred spirit in the thinking differently field of finances and uh, non-mainstream thinking. Right, Mark? Oh, man. Yeah. It's like a breath of fresh air. Chat. <laughs> right? So Mark is, like us, on a mission to try to help people think differently about their finances over how banks in Wall Street typically makes people think about their money and their financial, what does it do? Creates a financial insecurity or uncertainty, right? So after graduating with six figures of student loan debt, like many people today do, and discovering a way to turn his debt into real wealth, he's watched a lot of other people lose their retirement and investments and their home equity, you know, 2018, 2009, when the market crashed. And he decided to find a way to uh, find a sane way to help his... Uh, clients and other people meet some of those financial objectives, including his own. And Mark has become a certified financial planner and has as a number one best-selling author and is the owner of Lake Growth Financial Services, a financial firm in Chicago, Illinois. And over the years, he's helped hundreds of his clients take back control, keyword their control of their financial future and build businesses with sophisticated, tax-efficient financial <coughs> solutions. Now he specializes in building custom tailored financial strategies that are unknown to the typical stock brokers and typical financial planners and attorneys and other financial gurus that we typically see in mainstream media. He's also co-host of Not Your Average Financial Podcasts, and where he shares a lot of these strategies for thinking differently about wealth and finances. That's just a little background on, on Mark's, but Mark is the expert on Mark, so I'll let him talk a little bit more about where he came from and how he got to where he is with those philosophies today.
0: Well, that may be more than what folks any, anyone wanted to hear. So that's thank you for that, Kevin. I appreciate it. If folks are still <laughs> listening after that, then great. Welcome to uh, The Matrix. You know, you've taken the red pill. If you found this uh, podcast helpful, man, it's only going to get more interesting. Your episodes have been awesome so far. I've really enjoyed a lot of the content and the interviews you guys have shared. Uh, one on uh, qualified plans was just dead on. So well done. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, it's the rare thing to find any other financial firm that's willing to push back the frontiers of ignorance, as Nelson Nash would maybe say, um, to uh, help folks understand the realities of what's going on in the financial world. You know, uh, there's a quote that says, uh, when you understand what's happening, you'll know what to do. When you understand what's happening, you'll know what to do most americans don't know what's happening for example you know in the last 100 years there is an interesting trend line against the stock market if you were to look at the the return of the dow jones over from december 1913 when i started tracking the data uh, all the way up through today you'd see an, a fairly interesting sort of just level horizontal line ups and downs you know the great depression of course uh, looks like a blip in, on the radar, uh, and then we have an increase and in buildup up through the late '60s, and then it comes down as we have our stagflation and recession in the 1970s when the oil crisis and everything hit. And then what's interesting is when the boomers came of age, really came to start you know having families and building up real estate, and they're you know when the 401k came on the scene in 1981. It's amazing the just vertical cliff face that the stock market takes, uh, over that, you know, very interesting 20 year period from 1985 to 1995. Uh, we call that the Roaring 20 because (laughs) it's the 20 year period really from uh, 1981 to 2001. It goes all the way uh, from 81 to 2001 when we had the tech bubble. But that's an incredibly unique part of our history as a country where the stock market actually did an average of 14% over that 20-year period. But what's interesting is, ever since that one little blip on the radar, uh, we have never achieved anything close to that ever before or any time since. And yet, most financial planners, including CFPs that uh, I got my training with in classical financial planning, all seem to have been taught or raised uh, or came of age during that season in that special, magical 20-year period. And we can talk about it, uh, certainly, but there's a lot of people out there who think that they can just fall off a log and get 14%, 12% on their mutual funds. And I think we're both trying to get the word out that that may or may not be uh, a sufficient strategy to hope for, for your own financial future.
1: And I think you just kind of hit on it there a little bit. Hope for, you know, it's not, you can't plan on hope. You just, it's just hope. That it's not something you can count on. It's not something you can control. It's not a plan.
0: Yeah, it's true. Hope is not a strategy. Exactly right. Yeah. And unfortunately, when most financial investment advisors or mutual fund salespeople, and I'm using those words intentionally, when they sit down with somebody, uh, some hoodwinked member of the public sits down and hears that they're going to get an average return of 12%, they're going to think that they're going to be wealthy in no time flat. Uh, But Unfortunately, you know, we can talk about this, but your listeners probably already know that average returns mean nothing.
1: Right. And we have an episode on that where we've talked about that. Your average return has nothing to do with your actual return. Yeah. You can get I, an average I, return I of twenty five percent and still get nothing. Zero.
0: That's right. Well, why is that? You know, how is that possible? You know, one helpful metaphor is imagine, you know, you're leaving work at the end of the day and you need to drive home. So you have a fixed line, a straight line from your work, your office to your home. And that will cost a precise amount of gas and fuel and expense. And you know exactly how long it's going to take. As soon as you head out on your pathway back home, suddenly you get a text from your spouse and says, Hey, you need to pick up groceries. You need to drop by the dry cleaners. You need to pick up the kids. Oh, whoops. You know, you got pulled over uh, because you were racing (laughs) home. So now you get a ticket. The trouble is the volatility. On the way to your destination, so right. we could have an average return of, and in fact, we did. From 2000 to the end of 2016, we had an average return. I call it a change in value of five percent, um, but the the actual compound annual growth rate in the S and P 500 was only 3.35 uh, percent, which is a big difference. You know, that's the difference of a lot of money. You know, you'd need a lot more cash to get five percent. So it's the beta is the technical term here. It's the volatility of your return, it's the sequence of your returns that matters more than what the average sticker price is, the average rate of return on the mutual funds you might get.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because no one ever gets the actual the average. They have all those indices, the Dow Jones and everything, and yeah. it, it no one gets that. They get something right. else completely. That's so, right.
0: So that's why we call our podcast the not your average financial podcast, because we, for one, don't believe in averages, but also we don't want to be average. You know, if the average American life is built around 30 year mortgage and hoping and praying in our 401k, having no accessible cash, you know, the Federal Reserve study says that the average American, uh, this was done in 2015, the average American up to 47% of us would have to sell something or go into debt. If we had an emergency of just $400.
1: Yeah, that's an unfortunate situation.
0: Yeah, and this is the wealthiest country in the world, apparently. So we have been lured into thinking that Wall Street is where all of our answers lie. Uh, But, you know, Kevin, I know you know uh, that Wall Street is a tremendous marketing project. It's not necessarily a foregone conclusion that we have to put our money into that system just to reach our financial objectives, which I know uh, you guys are purely focused or exclusively and, and, and expert focused on helping folks sort of take the red pill, so to speak, and see that there's a whole nother world waiting for them.
1: That's true. And it's because rather than starting with, like you talk about with typical financial planners, what are they doing? They're asking people where their money is. They're trying to get whatever risk assessment profiles and saying, oh, well, according to this, let's put our money here. You can make a higher rate of return. But this is the problem is, you know, I'm not saying you can't put your money in the market. People certainly can, and they do, and people certainly do make money. But the problem is, it's unpredictable, and you don't have control over that. And it creates other issues that we can talk about, like uh, if it's actually in the stocks, you can create tax issues. So people don't have a base of money, a safe place to put it, where they can count on it. It's always going to grow, where they can access it, and they can control it.
0: Yeah, liquidity stopped, really, when we became a nation of speculators, when we stopped... Saving in insurance contracts uh, and savings strategies like savings accounts, and we started speculating, which has a lot to. I mean, we could talk about why and so forth, but you know, we could look into sure. what's well, a word. Uh, read why. But yeah, it's it in general. Yeah, we we all saw the the increase in cost of living go up dramatically, and we had to put both spouses to work, and we couldn't save as much. You know, the average American back in the '40s, according to the U.S. Census Bureau saving 30% of our income on average, 30%. Days, it's like 5% or less. The result, in my opinion, Kevin, is that people can't save as much, so they have to put more at risk to overcome that loss of savings. They've lowered their savings volume. And what little they can sock away, they put into riskier and riskier assets like stocks, crypto, whatever, just to try to make up for it. But here's the interesting fact. And let me do just a quick, hopefully very simple math here. Folks, if, if you're driving, don't pull out your calculators. But let's say that you make $100,000 a year and you can save, back in the day, let's say you could save 10% of that money. Well, that's 10 grand. Okay. Easy enough, right? Now let's say that we fast forward a few generations. So our grandparents might've saved 30%. Let's say we'd saved 10% of our money. So on $100,000 of income, that's 10,000 bucks. Let's say that we got zero rate of return. On that ten thousand dollars, zero. Put it in a shoebox. All right. Now let's say that we can only save five percent of our money. Okay. So we're now we're in a a more tight time. Our cell phone bills have risen. Our Netflix bills and everything else have risen. Our kids are needing five extracurricular activities, and we need a bigger McMansion. And we can't save as much. All right. So now we can only save five thousand dollars. Let's say that we can get a fifty percent rate of return on our money. 50, 50, five zero. You know, so what kind of you know speculative instruments are we talking about here? You know, crypto, swamp land in Florida. I mean what's it gonna take, right? If we can get fifty percent on our money, that's two thousand five hundred bucks added to the original five grand that we saved. Okay? So that's a total of seven thousand five hundred dollars. Now that is still less, far less than just saving ten percent of your money. Right? So what's the moral of that story? Well It's not about the rate of return. It's about the volume of saving. And the more you can find ways to save, even if it's 0% rate of return, work with experts like Kevin to figure out what's the right and most way I can pack away without sacrificing your lifestyle and so forth. But what are some ways you can pack away where you don't have to hope and pray you're going to get your 50% rate of return? And do it in a way that's keeping you sane in the process. You know, we don't have to live this insane life.
1: You know, you're talking about saving money. And we make a distinction too. There's really two things you can do with your money. You can either invest it, which inherently has what we call risk. And that could be an investment risk or tax risk or other risks. But safe means it's protected, right? It has some sort of guarantees, something you can count on. What's your thought about safe money as part of people's portfolio, what that is and how that fits in?
0: Well, that's a good question. I mean, you might meet somebody, the average person is going to have most of their net worth tied up in their home or their 401k, neither of which has any kind of accessibility or liquidity. We all see what happens when someone loses a job, they're having to take loans from their 401ks and they're having to get a... um, Unfortunately, they oftentimes can't get a mortgage or a refinance on the house or a HELOC.
1: Right. If you don't have a job.
0: If you don't have a job. Yeah. It's not exactly a great time to be trying to get a mortgage, a new mortgage there. So, I mean, liquidity, safety, it's not sexy. It's not what, you know, we hear about on CNBC every day, all day long, or read about in the Wall Street Journal. But who actually hits their target? You know, I think we have something called survivorship bias in the media where the uh, rare unicorn uh, of some investor or some ipo that makes it to a billion dollars or a warren buffett type person who does tremendously well over a very long period of time we think that if it happened to one person it could happen to everybody and that's just unfortunately not the case you know i wouldn't certainly wouldn't pin my um, financial future to that
1: and that's what it is right there it's pinning everything on one bucket you know it's not yeah. that you can't have one or the other or both it's just that putting all your hopes into something that has no guarantees with it well that's what it is it's a hope back right. to, it's back to what we we're talking about earlier a hope which is not really much of a plan
0: correct and it's not about either or it's about properly aligning your objectives with your money you know one of the best questions your your audience can ask is what do I want my money to do for me where you put your money makes it do different things. You know, a, a hedge fund is different than a savings account or different than a whole life insurance contract or different than, you know, a stock portfolio. So, you know, I can't answer that question for each person on this on this podcast, of course. Each person could sit down and think through it themselves, of course, or with a competent professional. But the key is, what is it you want your money to do for you? And then we have a, a, a series of questions we ask. You know, do you want that money to grow tax deferred? Do you want to have access to it without taxes due? Do you want any kind of predictable path of growth? Do you want a decent rate of return? Do you want that money to be safe from being sued upon or uh, taken in terms of credit or risk? Do you want that money to be multiplied uh, with collateral so you can use it to take advantage of opportunities when there's a, a medical emergency or a real estate opportunity? In other words, do you want to be able to leverage that asset so you can make the most amount of wealth off the least amount of money? I mean, these are all questions that most people never think about. Most people, Kevin, unfortunately, are just handed a portfolio when they get their job and sign here for the four hundred and one k.
1: Right. Oh, pick this one or this one. What are they? I don't know what they are. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's yeah. pretty much what it is, right? Right. I, I don't know yeah. what I'm picking. I'm just picking something.
0: Yeah. Let's move on. We got lunch to go get. Right. We're, we're uh, bringing in subs. So the problem is just thinking is is a rare commodity in our culture today. And I'm so encouraged by the podcast movement because. Now there are people who are willing to turn their cars into libraries or turn their gym into a learning institution and, and now they're on their treadmills or whatever and they're learning and they're thinking different about their own economy, what they can do to take back control. Because it's so easy to just give up give up our control to Wall Street or the government or whatever.
1: Right. I agree. You know, you mentioned something too. You said uh, leverage, which I think is an important term. Because leverage really is what? It's debt and I don't know about you, but when I grew up, one thing that was hammered into me is debt is bad. You don't want debt. You need to stay away from it. Avoid it like the plague. Pay as little interest as possible to the banks or whoever else. It's a bad thing, right? But it can be a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're collecting it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) if you're well, if you're collecting it, is it possible to leverage to benefit you?
0: Yeah. Well, this is my own story, anyway. Um, My wife and I, we left college. Uh, In 2008, with no job and six figures of student loan debt that we had no plan to pay off and didn't know what we were doing, you know, just starting out in life. What a way to start a marriage and a life together, right?
1: It's hard, right? But, you know, it's all too common these days.
0: Too common, even more common. I mean, six figures sounds like a small amount. You know, 120 grand sounds like a small amount for some folks, unfortunately. We started knocking out the debt, following Dave Ramsey's advice. And we woke up one day uh, to make a long story very short, a couple of very, kind professors from the college came and uh, one in particular showed us a strategy and said, look, you know, paying off your debt is only going to end result with a bunch of thank you letters from Sally Mae. It's not exactly going to help you grow your financial future. Right. 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 In other words, and I'm sure you guys have taught this before, you finance everything you buy. Uh, So debt is only a part of the equation. You know, it's sort of like the old uh, parable of the, the blind men feeling the elephant. Feels like a snake, it feels like a tree, it feels like a so you know, the different parts of the elephant, we have to keep in mind what debt is helping you accomplish. If it's a debt instrument that's in your control, in other words, if you are the banker, then any amount of debt you have for on yourself is still factored in as something that could be put to your advantage. I'd much prefer to be the banker than just to be debt free.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because I mean, let's face it who controls the money of the world it's it's not us as the regular people it's the major banks the major financial institutions yeah. out there right mm-hmm. they control again, the supply again if you know what's going
0: on you'll know what to do once you realize that the banks are the ones that make the decisions for the vast majority of american life right whether it's getting that 30 year mortgage or signing up for you know untold amounts of student loan debt credit card debt car loans are the scourge of the middle class in my opinion you know, it's just siphoning wealth right off the backs of people. And uh, what's so fascinating is they've been doing, there's a great book out there. Uh, I need to get the author, but the name of the book is uh, Debt, The First 5,000 Years. And that's a crazy title for a book, but <laughs> right. it really goes into how pervasive the concept of debt is in human civilization and how banks have been the most profitable enterprise in all of human history by a multiple factor you can either run away from that and live in a cave somewhere or save your pennies and never interact with the banking system, or you can beat them at their own game. And I know you guys talk about circle of wealth and you talk about becoming your own source of financing. And if you could be the bank, you could take back control of that function in your life because banking is not just an industry. you know.
1: It's all about options, control, right? If you have the ability to finance yourself, without losing interest. And there's the key right there. My father, growing up, he did all right. And you're talking about car loans, being discouraged the, the middle class. So he wanted to get out of that. So he would save up and buy a new car every few years. He did a lot of driving. So he had to replace his car just every few years. And that's what he would do. He would pay cash for it to avoid paying the banks any interest. Problem with that is, what happens when you pull your money out of whatever account you have it in? What is? What are they paying you in interest? Well, nothing. Well, they
0: right? yeah, they stop paying you. Yeah, they,
1: exactly. Stop paying you. So now you lost the interest. Whatever that cost. If it was a thirty thousand dollars car, you lost all that interest on that thirty thousand dollars for the rest of your life, which is a huge number, right? So you lost mm-hmm. the oppor- the opportunity cost on that. So if you have an ability, if you have a way to set yourself up so that you can now have a choice of either I finance myself and not give up the interest I would have paid, or if I get a better deal from a bank, I can go with them because I've got the money anyway. I don't have to worry about it and I'm not subject right. to them. Now you're in a position of control. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: If you can just sort of imagine how that would change an average American's financial life. you know, We really believe helping folks meet their objectives without taking a bunch of unnecessary risks. And I'd say the the biggest necessary risks are all the big purchases we all have to make in our life. You know we have to take necessary risk. getting out and going to work every day is a risk, uh, but it's necessary, let's say, to pay your bills or whatever. Uh, it's the unnecessary risks i'm I'm trying to avoid for my clients, and that's you know where is it written that we must invest in speculative instruments like Wall Street or crypto or something just to meet our goals, right so I guess one thing I like to talk to my clients about is the most important financial decision you're going to make in your life is how you're going to pay for life's biggest purchases. Right. The most important decision you'll ever make is how you're going to buy stuff. Because it's one of those things you you may have heard of Tim Ferriss. He has a great quote. He says, you, know, you want to make a decision that eliminates a thousand other decisions. And that just makes your life a lot easier. So if you can make right. one decision, you know if you can make one decision that eliminates the need to even decide the other 1,000 things, you just saved yourself a lot of time. So ask yourself, what's the way I'm going to buy, not just the next car, but all 10 cars you might buy in your lifetime, all three or four houses, your kid's college, all the big stuff. And that's what we're trying to, to point people towards, right? That's the conversation that folks need to ask themselves. And you're helping them think differently about how to make those decisions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about people too and and making their decisions of how they can set themselves up financially. What's your philosophies on how you can help people create wealth in a scene in predictable way? Well,
0: it comes down to where do you want your money to live? Again, the decision about what happens to my money once it goes into that pot of whatever it is, that bucket, If it's real estate, it's going to do different things. And if it's in a ETF mutual fund or whatever, if the average American is spending a third of their income on debt, servicing debts, and that's according to the U.S. Commerce Bureau, roughly 35% of our income goes to servicing debt. What kind of lifestyle could you lead if you could get back a third of your day, right? If time is money, if time is money, what's a third of our day? Well, if we're slaves to the bank for a third of our day, every single day, what would your life look like if you could get an extra whatever that is eight hours in your day back? Maybe we could bring home a spouse. You know, maybe we could spend some more time volunteering in our community. Maybe we could take a nap for goodness' sakes. <laughs> you know,
1: uh, well, those days. Yeah. Maybe,
0: maybe you could take two naps in one day. I mean, that's the kind of <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: it's, you know, We're really it's, it's dreaming all, now. <laughs> right, right.
0: So that's the power of taking back control. It's it, it is about the non renewable resource of our time. Uh, money is is just a you know paper version of time. I'd say in some ways, if that creates sanity, what would you do with the same lifestyle?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm thinking about it myself. What would I do with that? Hmm, it's a good question. Two naps at least. M- maybe make a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and take two naps. There we go. Before we close today, I'm going to ask you: Do you have a value bomb that you could give our listeners today, the Wealth Tech rebel listeners? Something that they, in your experience, should
0: look to avoid. Mm, oh,
1: look to avoid. Okay, don't step on the
0: value bomb. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my uh, my sentence or question to bring to any financial advisor that your listeners might ever work with is, just ask yourself this question first. Who else besides me is going to financially benefit from my decisions? Who else besides me is going to financially benefit from my financial decisions? If I put my money into that house, who are the... People getting the commissions off that. And that's not a problem for other people to make money off a decision I make. It's just a question of, is that a a valuable consideration? What is the real cost of that 401k? And who else besides you is benefiting from that 401k? Because it's not just you. You know, we can talk about how the government might make the highest return off of anybody in that 401k. We can talk about that. Uh, We can talk about how the, according to the Department of Labor, a 1% AUM fee on your mutual funds will eat up 37% of your life savings, a third of your life savings gone to fees, who else besides you is going to financially benefit from what you decide about where to put your money? That's a key question I'd say your listeners should definitely ask themselves.
1: That's a good question. Yeah, appreciate that. And that goes back to our philosophy of you have a lot more to be had by first trying to avoid losses rather than just chasing a rate of return, right? Yeah, amen. Josh, before we close, anything else you want to say to our listeners you know if folks want to learn more about these crazy
0: antics that you've already stumbled across head over to our podcast our show is titled uh, not your average financial podcast and uh, if you want to check in uh, i mean you're you're in the right place with kevin and team just uh, add us to your library if you want to learn more go deeper Uh, but these concepts are are out there if you just kind of know where to look and know where to listen
1: absolutely well josh thank you very much uh great having you to talk today it's very enjoyable to have someone who is uh, like-minded in their thinking differently if that's even really a way of thinking <laughs> yeah as long
0: as someone's thinking at all that's the key you know push back on these ideas show us where we need to refine our thinking listeners and keep pushing back the frontiers of ignorance as as they uh as we say
1: absolutely i agree so thank you again for your time today mark and thank you well talked rebels for listening today with mark and i who talking about our unique views and, and philosophies on your wealth tactics. And today I'm also going to put Mark's information, his podcast, and his contact information on our show notes page at wealthtacticrebels.com. While you're there, you can download our free guide to the three key areas that you could be losing money unknowingly and unnecessarily. Mark, again, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Yeah, keep it up. Thank you. Thank you, Wealth Tactic Rebels, and have a fantastic day.
0: Want to really see things differently? Take our course, Ingenious Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real life examples, see your progress with quizzes, and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently.
1: This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor, or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.